Holy Spirit, bring us back to the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Let us not be deceived like Eve was. Just bring us back. The first things first, God. Bring us back to our first love. Simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus. Holy Spirit, we're asking you, give us hunger and thirst again. Increase the hunger and thirst for righteousness. Increase the hunger and thirst for the knowledge of you. Increase the hunger and thirst for the fear of the Lord. Increase the hunger and thirst for the Father's love to know who we are. May we seek you. You promised that when we seek you, we will find you. You promise us. You're a rewarder of all those who seek you. You're not a God. You're not a man that lies. You are, you are faithful and you do not change. We can always count on who you are, Father. You're a God of your word. There is no deceit in you. You are the truth and the life and the way everlasting. Teach us the ancient past, simplicity, and purity of devotion to Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen. You can be seated. Ooh. Great job, worship team. Y'all give the worship team a hand. It's amazing. Just go off. The light just went. Off. I don't know if the bulb. There we go. Thanks. Um, before I get into the sermon, I, I we're praying before the service this morning, and I felt like uh, the Lord's. I heard him. Felt like I heard him say, "Shake you, not break you." And uh, I think there's probably a number of us going through this a transition or a season where you feel like things are being shaken, but it's not God's... There's a, God does want you to die to your old man because he wants to give you resurrection life. But there's a difference in the breaking. The breaking is our broken, our, our sinfulness. The breaking is not being able to get back up again. But the Lord in, in Hebrews 12, it says, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And what, what's left is the kingdom of God. And so that includes us. The things that are in us that can be shaken will be shaken out, will be sifted. And you just, I just had the picture of when you're uh, mining for gold or sifting for gold, you, you dip the sifter in the riverbed and there's a bunch of dirt there and you sift and sift until you see the gold. And that's just what the Lord's doing in, in a number of our lives right now. He's sifting, he's shaking until the gold remains because that's what's going to last. Everything's that's not of him is going to burn up anyways. 
It's, it's, it's hay, wood, stubble. It's going to burn at some point. So let it burn right now. Let it burn. Let the Lord burn it out right now before you have to stand before him and, and let him burn it out. Now, what I, so what I mean by that, when you stand before the Lord, if you know Jesus, judgment day is not condemnation day. Judgment day is reward day. So when you stand before the Lord as a Christian, reward day, which is judgment day, will be based upon how you were faithful with the talents he gave you. you may be, he may have given you one talent, five talents, ten talents, whatever it is. All he wants, the reward is going to be based off of how you stewarded that, how you were faithful with that. But there's no condemnation, there's no punishment involved. It's just how much reward you get. He's a rewarder of those who seek him. And so there may be somebody, when we get to heaven, there may be somebody we've never seen before who's got first seat next to the throne. And they may have been given one talent, but they were faithful with one talent. That could be you, you know what I'm saying? And so it's, I want, I want as much reward in heaven because that's, that's what's going to last for eternity. And, and we have to, Think on the things that are above, not things that are below, in order to not get locked into what's immediately around us. And so I've been, the Lord, the past two years, the scripture he's been speaking to me over and over is Colossians 3, 1 through 3. It says, if, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not things that are below. For you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So you're seated at the right hand of God in Christ. So this is your, this is your new perspective now. This is the way you get to think about things. This, and this is the reality despite what your circumstances may be. And so I've been asking the Lord when I've had a, a problem or a challenge come up lately, I've been saying, God, what does this look like from heaven? And he's been giving me amazing answers that I wouldn't have anticipated. You know, he was, anyways, I'm going to ruin my next three sermons if I give it to you all right now. So. Um, is this up? This, I just lost connection. This is the, all right, here we go. So I want to talk about the, the pleasures of loving Jesus this morning. It's out of Song of Songs, chapter 2. I've been very, going very slowly through the Song of Songs this year. But chapter 1, um, if you've ever done a study on Song of Songs, but it's, it's about the bride and the bridegroom. Jesus is the bridegroom, allegorically speaking. We're the bride. So this speaks to us as a church, corporately, but also individually as lovers of Jesus, as the bride. So girls, you have to be called sons of God. Men, you got to be called the bride of Christ. It's even. It's fair. And so uh, I'm going to have to, something's going on. I may have to cue you, Zach. The wonderful thing about technology. Jesse does? Is he in here? Jesse. Closer. 
All right. So chapter one is about, uh, Jesse, you got a word? Yes. Come on up, man. I word of knowledge. <laughs> From the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Holy Ghost Jr. over here. Hey. Yeah, sorry. I was processing back there. I meant to like raise my hand or something, but I was kind of with the Lord for a second. What is your name right here? Yeah. Corey? Tori. Cool. So, Tori, um, are you familiar? Are you, are you a Christian? Do you know Jesus? Okay, cool. Are you familiar? It's okay if you're not. But there's, um, it's so funny because, like, the things that God does in our lives, you know, the gifts of God without repentance, like, even if you didn't know the Lord, God has, like, plans for your life. But I'm glad you do. Amen. Um, I was asking the Lord to highlight somebody in here that he wanted to speak to this morning, and I just, it kept coming back to you. And so, um, do you know who Sarah is in the Bible? Okay, so she was the wife of Abraham, um, and uh, she's actually mentioned more times in Scripture than any other woman. And she is uh, a woman who, even in Hebrews, when they walk through like the Hall of Fame, essentially, of like every great um, leader of the faith leading up, um, she's mentioned. And I felt like uh, God is doing something in you in this season, um, specifically around uh, your character and your heart. And it's taking you deeper uh, in places with him so that you will not give way to fear. Um, specifically, uh, I just saw the Lord. It was, it was like I saw him kind of just reaching in to your space, into your heart, and building a thing. In, in this gentleness and in this um, sweet spirit, a firm foundation, a, ver a very, very strong and firm foundation. Because gentleness is like the Lord. Being gentle is like the Lord. But the firmness and the foundation that God is rooting in you right now so that you will not be tossed to and fro, so that you will be raised up in his likeness, so that you will not succumb to fear. I just, I want to encourage you to really press in with the Lord of that. That there's this Sarah thing in your life where God desires to use you to raise up people who walk out in the faith, who have sons and daughters of you, who whether in the natural or just by people that you're leading, ministering to. I don't know what you do. I don't know what your passions are, but I guarantee you people are going to be around you. I guarantee you're going to be in a space where you're leading others, and it's, there's this fierce gentleness, a fierce gentleness in you that's firm and rooted on the Lord. So I just encourage you in every way. There's these seasons in our life, these little open heavens. Sometimes God is opening up and he's doing something. And there's like acceleration in there. In this time period, man, go hard in the paint with the Lord. Get before him constantly. Get in the word constantly. Get in prayer. Get in every, the things that you're doing, I just really feel like there's a grace in this season for God to just multiply and multiply and multiply and multiply. Because you know he's called you to things. But he's building in you the character right now to steward it. Because if he gives it to you too soon, it'll crush you, right? When you're called to big things in the Lord, not big platform, but big plans, big destiny in Jesus, he's a good dad. If he gives it to you too soon, it will crush you. But he's building a strength in you. I just see it right now. So I just, you guys extend your hand. I just see the Lord in this process. And I love it and I bless it because I just encourage you, die quickly. 
die quickly because, God, you are doing a thing in Tori right now. You're raising up strength in her. God, she is going to give away freedom to men and women to not succumb to fear. Lord, she's a leader among her peers. She is absolutely a sweet spirit and a gentle soul. But, God, there is a ferocity of the Lion of Judah that lives in her, Lord, that's rooted in you, that's confident in you, that does not give way to fear, that does not succumb to the plans of the enemy, Lord. But you are growing her faith in this season. I just see your shield of faith just growing exponentially, shielding others, teaching others to take captive the thoughts that the enemy comes after them with, teaching others to deflect the fiery arrows of the enemy. I don't know if you're in counseling or if you're in like some type of leading and ministry and people development stuff, but there's a grace on your life to teach people how to get in Jesus's lane and how to stay there and how to stay hidden and how to renew their minds and trust the Lord. So I encourage you, get in there and stay there because God is building a strength in you that will steward the thing that he's asked you to do. In your life. Yeah. Amen. You're awesome. You're a powerhouse. I don't even know you, but you're awesome. That's a good word. That's a good word. All right. Um, so we're going to be diving back into Song of Solomon today. And I was saying in chapter one, the bride first lays eyes on her bridegroom. And it's the falling. It's... She says, draw me to you and let us run together. Kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. Now, what proceeds from the mouth of God? His word. So the way we, we take that scripture is, God, kiss me with your word. Let it, let it be sweet. Let, it be, let me encounter your love through your word. And, and so one of the, the beautiful things about the Lord is he's given us so many promises in the Bible that we get to say yes and amen to. You don't have to have a, a prophetic word from Jesse or somebody else. Those are things that are meant to be in, icing on the cake. This is, this is the cake and the icing. The prophetic word is the cherry. <laughs> and so I encourage you guys, just like Jesse was saying, get, get in the word and, and uh, let the Lord speak to you. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you understanding. Because um, he's the one that wrote it. So, God, the author of pleasure. I want to talk about the pleasures of loving Jesus. And this is in Song of Song, chapter 2. And uh, a lot of times we have this idea of who God is. I know I, I did before I really surrendered to him. And even as I first surrendered, I just was like, you know what? I'm, I feel God pulling on me to surrender my whole life to him. I'm ready to live uh, an ascetic, uh, joyless life with God. Put me in a tower somewhere to pray and fast. You know, it's, I guess that's what I got to do, you know. And, but, it's, but God, as I started walking with him, he started showing me, as I, Travis, wrong idea of who I am. Now, he, may, he calls you to fast. He calls you to to uh, abstain from things and whatnot, but it's the motivation is the key. Mike Bickle says, lovers make better workers than slaves. And so we want to fall in love with Jesus to where it's not even a price. It does, you know, you're just like, I know you're asking me to lay down my life, but I mean, look what you did. Look how much you love me. That's where we, that's where we want to get where it's, 
there's such an automatic yes to Jesus that the price doesn't matter. So God's the author of pleasure. He created us to enjoy physical, mental, emotional, spiritual pleasures. He gave you hormones. He gave you nerve endings. He created you. He created sex. That was his idea. That wasn't the devil's idea. That was God's idea. And he's, he thought it was a good idea to make it feel good. That was his idea. And so when you want to f- figure out how something works best, I'm going to go to the creator of it. So if I want to figure out how this projector works up here, the guy that originally engineered and designed that, he's going to know it best how it works. God created sex. He knows best how it should work. And he says it's, it's meant to be a covenant. It's meant to be within covenant. Why does a woman have a hymen? Because when you break the hymen and the blood spills, God makes covenant by blood. All right? If you, now, this is coming from a guy who had premarital sex and God healed of that. It was in porn and all that. So there's no condemnation coming if you have been in uh, premarital sex. I'm saying there's healing. I walked down the aisle with this lovely lady feeling like a virgin. I honestly did. I felt clean because that's what the blood of Jesus does. Cleanses you from all unrighteousness. So God created these things. Our longing for pleasure is part of our created design. You were created to long for pleasure. But it has to be satisfied. Now, Satan did not invent the idea of pleasure. He created counterfeit affections. So there's counterfeits to the pleasures of Jesus that are a trap. They're they're a pit. They, They lure you in. They feel good. And then the next thing you know, there's a knife in your back. And so counterfeit affections are perverted twisted pleasures and empty substitutes that never satisfy. So, one, you know, you have, I have, uh, God's very clear on sexuality in the Bible. I have friends who are homosexual. I love them. Homosexuals are welcome here. People struggling with same-sex attraction, you're welcome. But it's, it's just like the way I struggle with porn. It's not healthy. It's not the way God created you. And I want to just touch on this subject just a little bit because it is an issue in the world. It is an issue in the nation. Now, God, homosexuality doesn't work for procreation, number one. Homosexuality, God says it's uh, a perversion of, a way, of his design. So people who are struggling with that, there's healing. There's, there's homosexuals that have been healed by the Lord, who have come out of it. And so there's hope and there's a way. It's just that whether they desire to change their life, just like somebody like me who is in pornography and premarital sex desires to be changed. There's no difference. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're all in the same boat as sinners needing a Savior. So there's no condemnation for what, it, what the struggle is. 
but why is homosexuality such a hot topic in our nation instead of lying? They're both sins. Because it's universally accepted across most religions, ethnic races, lying is wrong. But this topic of homosexuality trying to be called a right, a wrong that is trying to be called a right, is trying to change culture. So this, so why is, and it, it says in the Bible, sexual sin is against your own body. So it's a different level of consequences. And so I want you guys, this is part of the counterfeit affections, pornography, homosexuality, uh, bisexualism, all, whatever it gets into. And then you have drug addiction, food addiction, whatever. It, it's, it's all counterfeit. And so there's a few people, this is what we struggle with. This is what sin does to us. There's a, there's a uh, presentation. Actually, I think I may have preached this at, at uh, Katie and Judge's wedding. I said, in the beginning, God formed us. Sin deformed us. Jesus transforms us. God formed us. Sin deformed us. Jesus transforms us. So sin's the issue. It's the deformer. <laughs> it's, it got you out of your original design. And Jesus came to bring you back to the original design, the original intention. So all human beings have a God-given longing for pleasure and fascination. Understanding that our longing for these two things is by design and is foundational to pursuing holiness in a biblical way. So the call to holiness is a call to the superior pleasures of being fascinated by Jesus. That's what holiness is. Look at Jesus. He's amazing. That's what holiness is. <laughs> it's not like Jesus, you see Jesus and he's like, all right, you ready? Boom, he lays out the scroll of do's and don'ts. Holiness is looking at Jesus and he's moving, and you're just like, I'm following the face wherever he leads. I'm following Jesus. That's what holiness is, because he is holy. You follow Jesus, you'll be holy. It's not the, hey, uh, Stuart, here's this laundry list. I'll check back in with you in a few weeks, see how you're doing. No, it's, he's one. Stuart, look at me right here. Come on over. And you, we follow Jesus, and we're just, we're just enamored, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Oh, this is holy. I'm following Jesus. This is, a, this is in the path of holiness. Wow. Woo. But it's not a, it's, and as you follow Jesus, you're holy. Because he is holy. So this is the scripture passage. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. I encourage you with scripture, you know, some scripture doesn't lend itself as easily to singing songs like Leviticus. You're not going to sing, uh, prepare the wheat flour and cast it on the fire. You know, but, uh, but I, made a, I, I, I made a song in this passage that I record, I just, I, I have this whole list of songs that I have on my voice recorder that I only play for myself. 
but I had this song on this one. Like an apple tree among the forest, so is my beloved. And it just became a love song to the Lord. And so this is, Song of Songs is easy because it's, it's like, it is a song. So use that to sing to the Lord. But the scripture is, like an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. In his shade I took great delight and sat down, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He has brought me to his banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. Sustain me with raisin cakes. Refresh me with apples, because I am lovesick. Let his left hand be under my head, and his right hand embrace me. God's given us a commission here at the Awakening. It's Isaiah 62.10. It says, go through, go through the gates. Prepare a way for the people. Build up a highway. Remove the stones. Lift up a banner over the people. What does this say the banner is? His love. Now, love, this is, I want to define love for you. Does uh, your parents loved you? I got my two parents right here. Now, yeah, give it up. Now, mom and dad, when I was growing up, um, they wouldn't let me just play in the road because I wanted to. They loved me enough to be like, get out of the road. There's a car coming. It's going to kill you. Now, the Lord's the same way. He says, listen. You, you want to stay away from this. You want to flee, like Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, flee sexual immorality. It's going to kill you. Why? Because God loves you. He doesn't want you to die. The, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give you life. And so it's like you're staying, Jesus said, He's wanting you to stay within the confines of the garden because that's where the blessing is. You go outside of his will, or let me rephrase that, not necessarily his will. You go outside of his law, his boundaries, it gets painful. It may be sweet at first. That's the counterfeit affection, but it will cause pain and death. All right? So the apple tree, I had this picture of an apple tree. Imagine this. you got a thick wooded forest. And he, it says, like an apple tree among the forest, so is my beloved. Now, apple tree is not the tallest of trees. I mean, they, they might get like 20 foot tall. But imagine among pines and redwoods or whatnot. You, if you were just looking at a forest from the outside, you're standing in a pasture looking at a forest. And there was an apple tree in the middle of the forest, you would not be able to see it. And it's saying this is how Jesus is. Like an apple tree among the forest, so is my beloved. So what does that mean? That means Jesus, you have to seek him if you want a taste of his fruit. Now he'll come. This is, what the, this is what's beautiful about Song of Songs because the whole book is about growing in mature love. Because Jesus came and we cried out and he found us and he tapped us and he said, hey, I'm here. Call on me. You'll be saved. And then he invites us into a journey where it says, in other places in the book, it says, hey, I'm going to the mountains. I'm going to the valleys. Come follow me. 
And it said the bride got scared and stayed in her house. <laughs> but then Jesus knocked on the door again. Come follow me upon the mountains, upon the valleys. And the second time, the bride had the courage to follow her lover. And so this is part of what it is, the apple tree. You've got to go in the forest. And these trees represent men. Imagine the greatest men on the earth. Jesus is, he's like an apple tree among the forest, among these men. He is the greatest man on the earth. So these tall, majestic trees also represent the pride of man. You look at Isaiah chapter 2, the cedars of Lebanon, the oaks of Bashan, they were symbolic of, of man's pride. The apple tree represents the tree of life, hidden among the pride of men and the men of the world. Jesus, he, think about this. When Jesus, even during his ministry, he would heal somebody and be like, don't tell anybody. Jesus was not looking for a platform. The Pharisees were. So the Pharisees were these tall, majestic, hey, look, I tithe mint and cumin and dill. Look at me, I'm, I'm fasting today. I got, ugly, I got my ugly face on. Jesus, he, they went, he said, Jesus said, you love the praise of men. He says, I, I love the praise of my father. And so, Sometimes we get, we just want somebody to tell us something good about ourselves, and, you know, and so that's a longing, that's a natural longing that God put in you. So what you need to do is, God, Father, what do you think about me? The praise of man, God doesn't want you to live off of, but he's, it is okay to live off the praise of God. He, he does allow you to be, listen to me, I, I got some good things to tell you. You can live off the praise of God, but not the praise of man. So the apple tree represents the tree of life. It's hidden. It's not seeking a platform. It's, it's for those who are seeking, just like Jesus came. And the fruit of the apple is sweet. The, free, the fruit of the trees of the forest is bit, bitter. You ever eaten an acorn? Bitter. Jesus' fruit is sweet. Graham Cook says, God does not reveal his secrets to the casual Christian. He'll save you, but if you want more, you've got to be intentional. Not a lot, we, we say this thing that we first heard from Danny Silk, but we say it all the time. Not a whole lot of good happens by accident. You're not going to just trip over the secrets of the, of the kingdom. You've got to ask, you've got to sit with the Lord, talk to the Lord, and be still. That's why there's, I mean, the, the battle that you guys, all, everybody in the world right now has to face is distractions. So many distractions. I was thinking about John Wesley. I was like, what did, you know, John Wesley and, Char I mean, Charles Spurgeon wrote like eight hours a day. And I would venture to say they had it in one respect. They just didn't have all these distractions. You go home, they're just staring at a fire. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, I think I'll write. And so, like, in a, in a sense, we've got to overcome more. And Jesus has called you to be overcomers. 
But you have to be intentional. So like when I spend time with the Lord, I actually use my paper Bible because guess what happens on my phone? Notifications. Hey, somebody's texting. Hey, dude, and client needs something. But if I got it, and then I get on, you know, maybe I answer a text message and then I, there's an email or whatever. And so you got to like put, put the, the phone away. For instance, for me, put the phone away, have my journal, have my Bible, and like set aside some time undistracted because it's not, it's, it's going to come. It's going to come at you. So God does not reveal his secrets to the casual Christian. So we seek the apple tree in the forest. That's small. Anyways. <laughs> Look real big on the computer. But uh, so when we say yes to God, we must by definition say no to something else. So the reverse is also true. You say no to something, you say yes to something else. You say yes to something, you say you're saying no to something else. So when we say no to God, it's because we've already chosen something or someone else instead. Counting the cost of both decisions is a viable exercise in learning to walk with God. That's what Jesus said. Count the cost. You gotta, you gotta take up your cross and follow me, but you need to you need to count the cost. You need to know what I'm asking you. You also count the cost of not choosing Jesus. Okay, this is may feel good for a little while, but it's going to lead. Sin leads to death. It says the wages of sin is death. Now you may not physically die, but your soul, your spirit, dies. It, it, and and Jesus can come and do CPR on you get you back. But that's what sin, the fruit of sin is death. The fruit of Jesus is life. So when we resist the grace of God, we confine ourselves to the present. Our ability to rejoice and give thanks can often be a noticeable casualty. We're less enthusiastic about worship and expressing our gratitude and adoration of the Lord Jesus. This is a constriction. So when you start compromising, you start feeling getting constricted. You start losing vision. That's what happens. Your, your, your eyesight, your vision starts getting very small. And so you start thinking in the present only. So what feels good right now? I'll do that. What I need right now? I'll do that. Instead of making decisions that have it from an eternal perspective. You get trapped in the present. But you're living for eternity. You're not living for today only. You're thinking with an eternal perspective. What is the ramifications on my children by just having them pray a psalm every night, even though there's no goosebumps for them and they're not? What is that? I'm just counting. I'm just trusting God that He's going to do something with that. That His word does not return void. So we can shrink when we when we when we compromise. You you shrink back into a lack of, into a lack of expectancy. You start just being like, uh, don't really, you know, I'm not going to go to this meeting as nothing's probably going to happen. <laughs> I won't pray for this person because nothing's probably going to happen. Your faith shrinks, your expectancy shrinks because of the compromise. Like I said, Jesus loves giving CPR. So you're not. It's not a lost cause when we get there. When we respond to the voice of God, we grow. 
When we say yes, yes, Lord, we grow. So when we say yes to the Lord, we come into a greater sense of who he is for us. He's not available to a casual seeker, but is wholehearted towards people of the same disposition. This is what uh, 2 Chronicles 15 verse 2 says. He's talking about King Asa. He said, he went out to meet Asa and said to him, listen to me, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. And if you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. So where your heart disposition towards the Lord is going to be, so the measure of surrender and abandonment to you is really uh, the sense of how, the, the measure of how God's going to manifest his blessing. Now, he always loves you. He's always going to be with you. But there's things that we do to, it's like he's, we're holding his hand. And he's leading us over this way. I'm like, I'm going to go over here. And he's like, well, I can't. I'm holy. I can't go over there. So you're going to, I'll be waiting. <laughs> Just like the, the prodigal father. <laughs> you can, and I'm, I'll be with you. He's never, he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He never gives up on us. But there's things that he's, he's not going to walk with you in. Okay, you come over here, fix your eyes on Jesus, the way of holiness, uh, wherever Jesus is walking, wherever he's going, I'm following. The, that's the way of holiness. It's not the do's and don'ts. It's I'm just following Jesus. Makes it much more simple that way, doesn't it? So when we say yes to the Lord, it enlarges our capacity to be trusted by him. Our vision is amplified. Instead of being constricted, it expands. And all true development stems from this simple place of obedience. Simple simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus. So increase is hugely important to the Father. He loves fullness. He loves abundance. He told uh, Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. It says the gospel in Colossians 1 is increasing every day. God loves a big family. So whatever, like, if you're just, like, in a hopeless place, just know the gospel is increasing. Today, it's bigger today than it was yesterday. The kingdom of God is bigger today, manifested on the earth, than it was yesterday. He longs to see his people moving in the full flow of their divine inheritance in Christ. A positive response, a yes, will always broaden our experience and create an internal culture of permission and release. You want that inside of you. You want that yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. 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 Hiddenness in the forest and underneath the apple tree. So these are just some scriptures on hiddenness. If you seek for her as for silver, you search for her as hidden treasures, you'll discern the fear of the Lord. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Then there's the hidden things that shall be revealed. So just so right now, currently, in our this, I don't know how you pronounce it, epoch season, epic season, whatever it's E P O C H, however you grammar people out there. Jesus is hidden among the forest. He's the apple tree hidden in the forest. 
But there's coming a time where what's hidden will be revealed. Jesus is coming back. And it's going to be blazingly apparent for the whole world to see. He's coming back, and he's coming to rule as king of kings and lord of lords. The sky's going to split. Christian and non-Christian alike will see him. I'm looking forward to that day. I used to be scared of Jesus coming back because I thought God mainly, you know, I, th I thought that he was just going to tell me what I was doing wrong. So when Jesus came back, it's like I, when I told you earlier about, hey, this is reward day for the Christian. I used to think it was still punishment day for the Christian, but the Lord's like, that's, no, 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 that's not who I am. So when Jesus comes back, it's reward day. for the Christian, but it is judgment day for those who don't know him. We speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom. So there's, there's, there's wisdom that's hidden. Go seek for it, you will find it, but you got to seek. Christ himself, from whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, all wisdom and knowledge, all understanding is hidden in the person of Jesus Christ. It's like one of those things you just Holy Spirit, help me. I can't understand that. So we're liberated from the inferior pleasures of sin by experiencing the superior pleasures of the beauty of Jesus. We will not overcome the darkness of immorality, bitterness, or pride by focusing on it. So I work uh, as a personal trainer, and I, when guys come to me saying, I'm struggling with lust, how do I get over it? And I'm, I'm telling them, ask for more information, but a lot of it's just they're seeing women for the facts. So they're like, you know, I'm looking at this girl and she's, she's got this feature and I can't, you know, and I was like, so what's the problem? And he's like, well, I, I saw this girl and I'm like, well, did you see her? Or are you like fantasizing about her? He's like, well, I looked at her. And? So I work at a gym. People in tight clothes or barely any clothes. I'll be training somebody and somebody, and I'll turn around, somebody have their butt up high in the air. <laughs> Spandex, yoga pants, whatever it is. And they asked me, how do you not, I was like, well, it's just a butt. Like, it's really, it's just a butt. A lot of stuff happens there. <laughs> now, if I look at it and I start fantasizing about it, then I've crossed over. But if I, if I notice a woman who's attractive, I'm just observing facts. But I'm not focusing. What happens is the devil lures you in. It's like, okay, I can't look. I can't look. Okay. <laughs> but if you're like, oh, attractive woman, on to the next thing. Then it doesn't have the power because you're not focusing on it. Woman bending over. Oh, button yoga pants. There it is. All right, give me two more. That's, that's all it is. You don't, you, you fix your eyes on something else. 
And then, but if the devil is trying real hard to grab on you, now for me, a married man, if that ever comes, I just like, Lord, I bless Jessica. I bless Jessica Gay to prosper in all things. I bless our marriage. And then guys who are also, if they're, you know, when I've counseled guys who are struggling with even committing adultery, I've told them, I was like, do you, are you ready? Are you ready to destroy lives? Now, you, listen, are you ready to look at your kids and tell, what, tell them what you did for three minutes? Three minutes of pleasure. And then bring your whole world down in fire. Are you ready to do that? Because it's just going to, I guarantee you, after, after you're done, it's going to hit you. It will hit you. Now, Jesus is big enough to repair that, restore it. We've seen it in our family. And so, but I am saying it doesn't come without a cost, a heavy cost. So I asked him, are you willing? That's what, where I was talking about earlier. If you say no to Jesus, are you willing to pay that price? Are you willing to do that? Okay. If you are, I can't stop you. So we're liberated from the inferior pleasures of sin by experiencing Jesus' pleasure. We do not decrease darkness in us by focusing on darkness. We must change our focus to be preoccupied with gaining more of the light of the pleasure of God. So the best way to overcome darkness is to turn on the light. No one seeks to remove darkness in a room by opening a window to throw out buckets of darkness. They simply turn on the light. The way to decrease darkness in our lives is to focus on increasing the amount of light we enjoy. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so part of our saying yes to the Lord is if he tells you not to watch something, don't watch it. If he tells you, you know, it's, um, you flee sexual immorality. You, uh, I don't know why I'm focusing on sexual immorality, but I think it's a big problem anyways. <laughs> but if you got a, if you got a, a sin in your life, you know, you, you focus on, all right, Lord, what is what I need to do? What is the yes, not what is the no? You focus on the yes. I was um, talking to a guy from up north that I'd met, and he was having problems connecting with his wife. His wife was upset with him because he just seemed distant and they were having trouble connecting and she would want to go on a date and he'd be like, it's too much money. We can't do that. And I told him, I said, well, I said, don't focus on trying to change your no to her. Just say yes. When she says, I want to go on a date, just be like, yeah. I said, is money a problem? He said, no. I said, it's a yes. I said, so don't try to focus on, all right, I'm not going to say no. Say, just say yes. And it's the same, it's the same thing with our walk with the Lord. So we sin because we believe that it will provide a pleasure that is superior to obeying God. That's, that's the belief that leads to sin. The power of temptation 
Rest on a deceptive promise that sin will bring more satisfaction than living for God. So scripture calls this the deceitfulness of sin or deceitful lust. That's how sin deceives you. This will be better than following Jesus. Hebrews 11.25, choosing to suffer, suffer affliction, speaking, it was actually speaking to Moses, than to enjoy the, pla- the passing pleasures of sin. So the call to holiness is the call to enjoy God by living fascinated. The battle for holiness is the battle to be preoccupied with the right thing. It is one in the pursuit of the spiritual pleasure that comes from enjoying God. So the way forward in holiness is to be preoccupied with living fascinated with God. John Piper says, sin is what we do when our hearts are not satisfied with God. Sin is what we do when our hearts are not satisfied. Now, I want to go into the scripture again. This shrank on me. This was bigger. All right. So... I have you guys in mind. I, I think, can they, or they're going to be able to read this. So, anyways, so when it says I sat down in this shade, what does this mean? Song of Songs is a lot. It's very symbolic, allegorical. As we sit before the Lord, we experience more of the, the delight of His presence. The Word becomes a delight, and His presence is sweet to those who faithfully sit before Him. And so, uh, it says, I sat down in His shade with great delight, and His fruit was sweet to my taste. We're seated at the right hand of God, with Christ, the place of rest. So when it says Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, he's not standing. Because it means he's resting. He's at rest with his Father. Right? And we're, we're seated with Christ, so what does that mean? We live from a place of rest. Hebrews 4, what is, where does rest come from? It comes from Believing. When you believe God, you have peace and rest. When you don't believe God, like the Israelites did in the wilderness, you have unrest. God said, they, because they disobeyed, they cannot enter into my rest. But he says, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Because you, if you believe, if you believe what God says. So his shade is the cross. That's the tree. There's, no, there's nothing else that takes away the sins of the world. There's nothing else that gets rid of the darkness. There's nothing else that heals. There's nothing else that restores. It's only the shade of the cross, and we sit in that shade. He who dwells in the shadow of the Almighty, that's the shadow, the cross of Jesus Christ. Pay the price for us to be, be at rest, for, to conquer sin and death. His banner over us is love. In the ancient world, armies marched in battalions under a flag or banner. The banner over our life is Jesus' leadership. He leads us to grow in love. God, his, his agenda, his sifting, his shaking, all of that is to remove anything that hinders love. That's the objective. That's why he... Sh- we go through shakings. That's why we go through pruning. It's because it's removing things that hinder love. It's all about maturing in love for Jesus and for other people. 
So we're called to feast on God's, at God's banqueting table. The, the fulfillment of this ultimately occurs at the marriage supper of the Lamb when Jesus comes back. Read Revelation 19. Jesus wants us to enjoy tokens of that wedding table in this age by the power of the word and the spirit. So we get the taste of it, but it's not fully manifested. The kingdom of God is now, but not yet. It's now, but not yet. We, the kingdom of God comes. He, he, God heals people. We experience his presence. People get saved. But the full manifestation is when Jesus splits the sky and it's bare for everybody to see with the eyes. So God's determined that we grow in love, meekness, and revelation, and God's plan and first priority is much bigger than our comfort or function in ministry. He said, as fruit was sweet to my taste, and he's brought me to his banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. So think about the apple tree. The apple tree has low-hanging fruit. Anybody ever grow up with like an apple tree in their yard? We had one at Winterville. And uh, so Jesus has low-hanging fruit. So what does that mean? It means only those who go low can get it. The pine, the pine cones, they're high on the tree. The acorns, unless they, you know, they fall, they're high on the tree. But the low-hanging fruit of Jesus, you, you go low. You, you get to taste the fruit of Jesus because he went low. He emptied, he was God, is God, but he emptied himself of that to become like us, to be tempted in every way that we're tempted to fully embrace our humanity and yet live without sin so that he could be the ransom for us, so he could pay the price for us sin, the perfect sacrifice. The banquet hall, literally, that's, this word literally means house of wine. Jesus has brought me into his house of wine. Jesus is all about us getting drunk in the Holy Ghost. Anything else that gets us drunk, he's not a fan of. We have wine, we have beer, we have delicious food, but if you're getting drunk on any of these things, on, you're getting drunk on pornography, you're getting drunk on whatever, you're getting drunk on wine, he, do, he's not a, he doesn't want that. There's a better thing to get drunk on. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit. And it's the ministry. He's speaking of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus brings us. He says, let me introduce you to my friend. Holy Spirit, Travis, Travis, Holy Spirit. You need to listen to him, Travis, because I'm going to the Father. He's going to be your God, your comforter, your helper, your paraclete. The guy's got your back. Raisin cakes and apples. So as the apples speak of the refreshing of Jesus, so the raisins speak of the ministry of the Spirit, since they're dried grapes. Grapes symbolically point to the wine of the Spirit. In other, in other words, the bride that's crying out, sustain me with more of the Spirit. Refresh me with more of Jesus. There's only one disease God allows in his kingdom. Love sickness. 
And I pray, I've been praying that for us, that we would be, that there would be a epidemic of love sickness in the awakening. That there would be an epidemic of love sickness in the body of Christ. Because if we don't have the hunger for Jesus, we can do, we can go through all the shenanigans we want to. But we've got to have hunger. That's what's going to press us in for more. If you're hungry, you will, you will be satisfied. Jessica and I, you know, we were not in always in uh, circumstances that would lend itself to growing in the spirit. But like God, if you're hungry, like he's going to give you all you want. You will find it. It will come. God will bring provision to you. If you're hungry. So the key, like we need to pray for hunger. When you pray for the awakening, say, God, strike us down with love sickness. Let us be hung, let us hunger and thirst for righteousness. We want to, that's because if we're if we're lovesick, there's no stopping the church. There's no stopping the church if we're lovesick. Love sickness can also be referred to as fullness of joy. Paul's heart was exhilarated. He was lovesick for God. He gave up everything, his position and prestige. He considered it as rubbish. He was like one of the leading Pharisees. He had a huge platform in the Jewish religious world. He considered it rubbish. It meant nothing to him. Paul said in Philippians 3.8, I also count all things for loss, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. Let his left hand be under my head, and his right hand embrace me. What in the world does this mean? This means it's the twofold activity of God in our life. His left hand, you can't see it. If I'm holding Jessica up here, and I've got my left hand under her head, I've dipped her down like I do often in the house. I've got my left hand under her head, and you can see my, my right hand. So what does the left hand, what does the right hand mean? The left hand is all the stuff God's doing in your life that you can't see. His hand is on your life, but it, the left hand. If, Jessica, if I'm holding Jessica's head, she can't see my left hand. The right hand is everything you do notice God doing in your life. And so we're saying, yes, God, yes to the things I don't even know that you're doing. It, it paints this picture of God going and preparing the way before you. He's preparing you for something. He's making you ready. The right hand, what God's currently doing in your life, we say yes to as well. So I want us to stand. So as Travis was preaching this morning, I just um, there were two things that I felt conviction for. And one is when he was talking about the kingdom is increasing. I've been guilty of focusing on the darkness. 
in our world. I don't know if any of y'all get consumed by the darkness. But when he said that, I didn't just feel like excitement. I felt conviction also. Like, I, what I want to do is open a window and dump out the darkness. <laughs> like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> but that's so silly to think about, you know, when you put it that way. But that's what I've been kind of doing in my heart and in my mind. And so the truth, like if we believe the scriptures, it does say that his kingdom is increasing. So there's more of the kingdom of God today than there was yesterday. It's what travel, it's, it's like, that's true. Yes, I believe that. But why don't I act like it? So I just really felt like, you know, that I might not be the only one here that um, has focused on the darkness and maybe tried to dump out buckets of darkness rather than focusing on the light. Um, and so I wanted us to repent for that, but also with the lovesickness, so as I was reading that scripture, you know, he's like, give me raisin cakes, give me apples, like I'm hungry. Well, he, like, the, they're hungry because they're in love. So this morning we've also been talking about like, you know, make us hungry, make us hungry, like in worship. But if you're in love, like you'll get hungry. Love sickness will make you hungry. And so, um, so as we pray this morning for love sickness, um, just know that that that's like a byproduct. Hunger is a byproduct of love sickness. I'm gonna let Travis pray for that, but I'm just gonna pray um, and repent for for a lack of belief in the light and the kingdom increasing every day every moment it's ever increasing so father i just repent i repent for looking at the darkness in our world i ask that you forgive me for focusing on the darkness for doubting your kingdom increasing for not believing the truth but believing the lie that the darkness is the evil is going to overcome good so i ask you forgive me and I turn to, to think a new way. I just turn my mind to think a new way. I receive the truth. I choose to believe the truth that your gospel, that your community of people, and that your truth is increasing ever increasing that you love big families and I look at the light so I tell my body and my soul to get behind my spirit we're going to look at the light I just invite you to tell your body and your soul and your mind to get behind your spirit because your spirit knows the truth Thank you for what you're doing in the world. Thank you for the way that you're bringing people into your kingdom. Thank you for the lost that are being saved. Thank you for those who are being healed and set free. Thank you for bringing salvation to dark places. Thank you for setting people free. Thank you for raising up fathers and mothers. Thank you for bringing prodigals home. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness to your people.
And Father, I pray that we would, Lord, we can't conjure up hunger. We can't conjure up love sickness. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would make us love sick. Love sick for you. Love sick for Father. Love sick for Jesus. That our hunger would far outweigh any price. That our hunger would outweigh the temporary pleasures of sin. God, that we would fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and we would follow him wherever he may lead and down the path of holiness, that we would simply know to, to fix our eyes, to follow Jesus, just to follow Jesus, bring us back to the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. God, do a work in our heart that we can't do for ourselves. Holy Spirit, we're asking for the grace of God upon our lives. We're asking for the love of God. We're asking for the, your fellowship, Holy Spirit. Come, come with hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Jesus, Jesus. Just, go, just hold the hand of your neighbor right now and it's just, you don't even have to say sentences, just say the words hunger, thirst, love sickness. Hunger, thirst. Lord, we want it. We want it. We want it. We need you. Love sickness. Hunger, thirst. Love sickness. Hunger, thirst. God, release it over us. Release it over your people. Release it over your church in the city. Father, release it over the lost, that they will long for something. Even if they do not know, it's found in Jesus. Lord, that one of us will open our mouth and we'll say, Jesus loves you. We'll say, Jesus loves you. We'll say Jesus loves you. And Father, Holy Spirit, convict us. Convict the world of sin, judgment, and righteousness. That we may know who is the one true living God. We need it, Father. We need it. We need it. God, bring it to us. Do for us what we can't do for ourselves, God. We need you, Holy Spirit. We invite you here into our lives. I pray that we would start having encounters Lord, that bring us closer to you. I pray for visions and dreams over this house right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for radical love encounters over this house in the name of Jesus. Father, swing the banner over us, the banner of love, and go through the gates for us, Lord, and prepare the way. Make a highway for the people and remove the stones of condemnation and shame right now in the name of Jesus. That we approach the throne of grace with boldness. And confidence, confident that you love us, confident that we're your sons and daughters, confident in what you're doing, that the gospel is increasing every day. Lord, that there is no uh, stoppage to the increase of your government. We thank you, Holy Spirit, you're doing a work. Lord, there's a, your left hand is doing a work in this city. Your right hand is doing a work in this city. We thank you. You've got plans to prosper Athens you got plans for a hope in the future, Father. Lord, nothing is impossible with you. Nineveh was saved in a day. You just had to get a hold of the man of God. Father, I'm asking that you get hold of us, any part of our heart that's like Jonah, that doesn't want to go to Nineveh. Lord, release that in us. Forgive us and release us to go to Nineveh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Nothing is impossible with God. Just say that. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen. So if you need prayer for anything else, healing, 
somebody who agreed with you in prayer, our ministry team will be up here to pray with you. And uh, Jesse, if we just put some background music on or whatever. But you feel free to receive more prayer and ministry. You can also uh, give to the Awakening through the Tithely app, or there's a tithe box back there. You can go to the website, and uh, there's a way to give. But receive ministry if you need more prayer. Yeah. I just um, I want to praise a body, too, for Justice's mother. Um, her name's Michelle. She's been going through some really hard times and struggling more than just more than you can imagine, and uh, I just feel really compelled that we need to lift her up. Her name is Michelle. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, you just, uh, you've loved us so much love, Lord. You love all your people, Lord, and Lord, we know now there's a, a young woman, Lord, uh, Michelle, who's just struggling with lots of pain, lots of problems with addictions and loss of her son, Lord, um, being, feeling, I don't know what she feels, God, but uh, we know it's taken a heavy toll on her and that she's just... Um, deeply saddened and seems to have lost all spirit and love for life. God, I just ask now that you just come into her heart now, Lord. Just uh, We know you're there already, but Lord, we ask that you just blossom like a flower, Lord, and just uh, bring desire in her to know you, to love you, Lord. Provide for her now people where she is now in the jail, Lord, that who can minister to her, who can serve her, Lord. Let her see your face through them, Lord. Uh, Lord, we ask that you just shine your graces on her, Lord. We ask that you bless Michelle today, this very minute, Lord, and the rest of her life, God. We ask, Lord, that you make steps now and give her the strength and confidence in you that you can guide her to reconciliation with her son and getting him back, Lord. Lord, we just ask that you just uh, give her blessings all her life and cure of all, all illnesses that she might suffer from. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. That's good. Jesus sees the one. Amen. Receive. If you need any further ministry, come see our team down here. You're free to go. Bless you guys. We love you. We'll see you next time.